Welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales, and as we near the end of our series looking at native livestock from the UK, once again I'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, who of course are suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition. Black cattle have not only been in Wales since the Bronze Age, but featured in everything Welsh from folklore to poetry to romance to stamps. I'm delighted to have on the podcast this week a breeder of long-standing, Alwyn Jones from Denby in North Wales. And uh, welcome to the to the programme, Alwyn. Thank you very much. And I'm ashamed to admit that uh, you might be the first Welsh person that uh, we've had on this show. And uh, I'll also admit that this episode may be a bit of a challenge for me, pronouncing some of those uh, long names <laughs> with a lot, a lot of L's. And, <laughs> and, and you've got a bit of a challenge there, Alwyn, as well. I think the weather's just coming against you just now, too. Yeah, that's it. And oh, when the the Welsh black cattle weren't always black, though, were they? They not all black anyway. Didn't Darwin mention that some of them were white with red ears? I don't know when that would be the eighteen fifties, I guess. Well, there are some Welsh white still about, and some belted Welsh still still about uh, in North Wales here, um, around the Merionith area. Um, they sell them in Dolgetha now and again you know and they go through as welsh white then um but we are the welsh black cattle society aren't we you know mm-hmm. um there, there are a few with uh, red in them but mainly those were mainly in canada okay. and australia we have had very few in this country i think we get the odd gray brownish one mm-hmm. once but um you know like we like them to be um the identity of color really varies from uh, rusty to jet black, okay. R- rusty at the tips, really, you know. And would they discriminate uh, against the ones that have got blemishes on them within the society, or do they let them register them everything? Oh yeah, they're, they're registered, um, but uh, we, as breeders, we do look for anything that has got white. We're, uh, white is allowed mm-hmm. on the underbelly, as far as the navel. Uh, up to the navel, but okay. anything in front of the navel, navel we just uh, um, take it as, you know, but they are registered. Okay, you know. okay, that's cleared that up then. So there are a few coloured ones, but obviously they are a black breed. And if we go back to Wales as a country, really, it's a country steeped in folklore like no other, really. There's stories of elves and mystical cows from the underworld, and to the outside of this, it could all appear a little bit farcical, but it's taken very seriously, isn't it, the folklore in Wales? Yes, yes, it is. You know, the, as you mentioned, that they were on stamps and things like that. But also, the first bank in Wales was with the Welsh black cattle on it, and because this was during the drovers' time, uh-huh. and they became their cash. Really, the cow became their cash. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. And uh, I think in this episode, it's probably time we did explore the origins of maybe all cattle in UK with. Uh, uh, a little bit more of an ancient history lesson, and I thank um, Jenny Buckton for her help with her wonderful book that I've been reading. And So eventually science did prevail, and studies proved that the origin of the cattle in Wales came from the Uruk, or the European ox as it was, uh, as did pretty much all the breeds in UK, developing as far back as the Bronze Age, as I mentioned, when uh, they'd apparently walked across the frozen sea to the UK from, from somewhere else and uh, 7,000 years ago. And Seemingly, the the woolly mammoth and the hippopotamus and the rhino all came as well, but they didn't survive the the ice age. But uh, these oryx did, and and they were big cattle. Or uh, when Caesar was said to describe them, uh, the oryx as uh, beasts slightly smaller than elephants. 
Yes, yeah, they're, they're quite huge animals, really. But we try, we try to keep them, you know, size-wise. Uh, we'd like um, a deep cow, but shorter legs these days, you know, but, mm-hmm. but get the depth of body in them. Certainly there will have been a change since the original Oryx, and if we carry on through Neolithic times, it would be the Spanish from the Basque region who would first populate Wales and domesticate the Oryx around 2500 BC, so still a long time ago, falling, forming settlements on the lower lands, of course, and archaeology shows us that after the domestication, the animals did become smaller once they'd been moved away from their natural habitats in the mountain forests, and the, the Iberian Spanish would... Uh, have also brought their own cattle with them. We know a little bit about the Spanish cattle because, of course, they were the origins of the Texas longhorn in America as well. So good cattle, I think, they brought across, but I guess by crossing those and maybe killing the larger ones, as you said, the, the animals in Wales got down to a, a more manageable size. Would that be about right? Yes, yeah. You know, like, to finish a beast, a good Welsh black bullock in the olden days, I mean, the Father's Day, you know, we'd be finish them at 1500 weights which would have been 750 kilos yes, yes, you know yeah yeah um whereas now in the modern times they don't want anything much above 620 sure. 30 do they you know sure. so sure sure and again with our history lesson here carrying on during the iron age the british weather pattern started to settle down to something like we have today where it's uh, the land's a bit wetter in the west and a bit windier in the west as well in the moment and uh, a pattern of moving animals onto the higher ground in the summer evolved and uh, where entire farms would move from one place to, to one time of the year and then uh, up onto the mountains at the other time of the year. And this, this pattern sort of re-emerged yeah. back in the Middle Ages again, but it was not uncommon in Wales and Scotland through, through to the 19th century where they just, they just decamped up to the hill and then uh, back down again in winter. Yes, this would be known as the Havod and Hendre in Wales. The Havod being the summer residence up in the mountains and the Hendre being the um, residence down in the valleys, you know, so like the the stock would be kept out all winter, really. Uh-huh. Um, in them days, they wouldn't have buyers and that's what the... Yeah, good traditional Welsh black is all about. Of course, and that, of, of uh, course, and, and and the cow buyers did emerge as early as 700 BC, and uh, there's certainly evidence of of the basic plough being used before the Roman times, anyway. And it was thought that uh, with this, the settlements around the fertile areas, obviously the riverbeds arrived, and seeds would be sown, and this, of course, gave rise to the the oxen and the requirement of the oxen to to till the land, and the cattle took on a, a different form because of that, and it's. Noted that most civilised areas of the UK, they say the Celtic ox would have replaced the auric a little bit, uh, as it's a bit more p- possibly domestic, but they were originally would have been an oxen, wouldn't they? Yes, yes. Um, a friend of ours, I should think, would have been William Jones Carbertan, which you would have known mm-hmm. through Smithfield. Mm-hmm. And he he did uh, make a programme of oxen uh, pulling carts and things like that uh, in the early... 90s, I think he made a program about it. Brilliant! They still got the strength to do it, and of course the animals did evolve a little bit into a different shape once, the, once when they were needed by being heavier front shoulders. But let's just move to this history lesson because I think our readers might find it quite fascinating that it it should be mentioned that these Western Spaniards were, of course, what we now call the Celts, and uh, a pretty barbaric race back then they were, and uh, I won't say still are. And some they were mainly driven from Britain due to subsequent invasions, of course, and then but they remained in the poorer lands 
more in the West, bringing with them the tradition and the language and the art and even aristocratic rule. And again, well documented that the Celts had a tendency to fall out with each other, uh, often raiding areas and nicking anything they could get their hands on, including slaves and women. And of course, livestock. And there was no currency back then, as you mentioned just now. The cow became a form of currency, didn't it? Yes, yes. Um, there's reports from Anglesey alone going to London, there would be 14,000 head of cattle going from Anglesey no. on a yearly trail down to London, going through Bala and through Dinas Mouthway, down to the borders, and then down to London. Incredible. I know, you know, I know my friend Bob Hooker has been uh, looking at the cow trails in, in the UK just recently, and it's right there, incredible amount of animals that were driven drove by those drovers. We'll maybe touch on that in a second. If we just sort of wind our way through this, originally the Romans um, set up trading routes throughout Britain, which, of course, would include the River Severn out of Wales, but uh, as their rule went on, and while the Romans were trying to suppress the, the, and invade Scotland, uh, the Welsh generally in, embraced Roman culture a little bit more for a while anyway and uh, good guys the Romans weren't they they brought a lot of good ideas with them a lot of it's probably still there yes yeah they brought a lot of good things especially um, road structures and the bridge buildings and you know to to go across the ravines and uh, places of steep uh, it made it a lot easier to walk these stock from place to place, you know. Sure. And then the Romans left, of course, and the, the Irish took a fancy to the Welsh coast for a while until the, the Saxons got involved and they took just about everything in England, including Mercia, of course, which is the border county of the Midlands as we know it now. And from there on, they started to strangle the trade routes from Wales and uh, they had a good go at raiding uh, Wales too, didn't they, until some bloke called Offa built a wall between them and uh, I was never quite sure whether it was built to keep the Druids in or the English uh, out. Uh, perhaps that's a discussion for another day. Uh, um, no, I think it was to keep the English out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You'd say that. I don't blame me. And the, the country then united under Llewellyn the Great until uh, William the Conqueror came along and built a lot of castles in Wales and everybody seemed to get on, rub along together quite happily, I think. And uh, there'd be a few greedy landlords, I suppose, would take over some of the better land but uh, maybe that's a simplistic uh, English view uh, <laughs> yeah but you, you know when when you get good English landlords it doesn't make a difference does it you know like uh, I'll touch on one um, family that have with the Welsh black cattle and he's chairman of the Welsh blacks at the moment and he's the ninth generation the ninth generation to farm and uh, really? you know and there still would be some of the, the the bigger estates would still be in place wouldn't they although a lot of it's now been replaced with the family farm there still would be some big estates estates around N not many in wales now they've uh, virtually you know the, like the hewless estate still going in bala mm -hmm. robin price's uh, family still um but the, otherwise there's very few other estates uh, in wales here now with big numbers of farms Okay, well, I'm sorry to, to to make this into a history lesson, and we'll 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 put that to, to bed now. But it's nice, I think, for our listener just to sort of hear a, a potted history of Wales, because I said it's not uh, very often we get the we've had the Welsh on this program. Anyway, that's enough history for one day. Let's move on to the cattle. And uh, during the Norman times, the value of a cow could possibly be worth more than the land it stood on back then. You know, by the 1300s, agriculture was the mainstay of the nation, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing with the cow, you had milk, meat. 
milk me down and, 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 and something to pull your pull your plough as well. They got it, uh, got it yeah, always. Yeah, such a versatile animal, wasn't it? Mm, indeed, indeed. And by the early 1700s, we heard of the rinderpest, which wiped out so many cattle across uh, the UK, especially in Scotland. But I think the the Welsh black mainly survived that one. And by the late 1800s, you mentioned just now, but something like 50,000 head of stall cattle were sent from from Wales to England annually. Although I don't think the Welsh farmer themselves would take a lot of profit from these and. And neither would the cattle retain their Welsh identity. I think the drovers would sort of take the, the cut out of them and then they would just sell them on as, as their own, I suppose. And they, they would lose a little bit of their identity as a Welsh black, wouldn't they? Yes, yes, they would. And would there be a place in the mining industry for draft oxen back then? I don't think there was. They'd be too big, I should think. They're more pit ponies, weren't they? You know, they'd be smaller ponies, okay. you know. Okay. I don't think they were involved in in mining. I don't think so. I've certainly never seen any evidence of it myself. And would I be right in saying that uh, around that time would be the beginnings of a north and south divide in Wales? And I don't want to get into politics here, or when I, I know you're in the north, but the the land in the far south is hugely different to that in the north, isn't it? Especially in the very far southwest, richer soil, possibly. Would the would the Welsh cattle be different in in each of those areas back then? Oh yes, yeah the. Two main breeds in the in the eighteen seventy sixties seventies would have been the Castle Martin, the South Wales Pembrokeshire Welsh cow, which would Welsh black cow, which would have been the milkier type and would have been used for for the dairy business. And in the north, it would have been the Anglesey cow and Merionis cow, which would be, you know. For suckler herds, sure, and, and, to rear calves, and more suited to, to higher land, I guess. And and it's interesting yeah, that you yeah. say that. That I mean, the original county names of the, the cattle, such as the Pembrokeshire and the Cardigan, as you said, and the Anglesey and Carnarvonshire, all these different, they were all they, they retained their their identity of breeds right the way through till till almost the beginning of the twentieth century. Yes, and what's so good about it? I've where where I've lived now. We've been in three different counties, really, but we've still identified by county, by the old 13 boundary counties of Wales. Okay. You know, so we're in Denbyshire, Carnarvonshire, still the same, Merionithshire, mm-hmm. Montgomery, mm-hmm. Glamorgan, you know, none of these new, you know. You're showing your age now. I know what you mean. The, the, the new counties came in, what, the, the 70s, where we had sort of Powys mm-hmm. Powys and Gwynedd and what have you, but the original counties are still there and the boundaries are still Definitely. You know, Radnor Breckenshire, you sure. see. Keradigion yeah. uh, is the only one that's really changed its name. Mm-hmm. If we if we go for a description of the cattle, just to our uninitiated listener of that time, Darwin said that the, the both breeds of the north and the south were, and Darwin would be where in 1850, was it he wrote the origin of the species, I think, and he said, yeah. he said yeah. the cows are ranging from 700 to 1,000, Pounds, so that's three fifty to five hundred kilos. So, so they they weren't particularly big by the middle eighteen fifties. They'd be bigger now, wouldn't they? Yes, yes, yeah. We would be bigger cows now. Mm-hmm. Modern farming, I suppose, has helped. They're able to get better land sure. as well. You know, because in them in the, in them days there would be no tractors, no nothing. Would we be horse plow, as you said, be oxen mm-hmm. plowing? Mm-hmm. So it would take days to plow. A field, whereas now you, you plough a field. 
plough a field in, in an afternoon and be back home for tea time. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, and obviously the Industrial Revolution um, came along and farming did change and the horses came into it, which uh, replaced the, the the oxen. And then the train came along, provided easier transport. So that, that was a huge change for farming across the country. And uh, during that time also improved breeds or improver breeds, should I say, like the shorthorn appeared, which ended up getting crossed into quite a few other breeds to, to improve them. But uh, the Welsh breed didn't really, really respond to, to that improvement by, by outside blood, did it? I think the breed had to improve itself from within. Oh, yes, yes. We, they've kept very pure, you know, some of the north and south have mixed, but not many, you know, the, 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 the traditional, uh-huh. the, the, you know, like very few bulls are uh, produced in the south um, to be sold to the north. That the South do come and buy bulls off the north uh, from North Wales, uh, and uh, you know as uh, later on we'll mention that it's you know the main bull sale now is Dorgesa, yeah. whereas uh, in the sixties and seventies you had Menabridge, Clanroost, Dorgesa, Santovry, you know, Re- and, and Monmouth yeah. now yeah. Abergavenny, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the regional. But that did, divide still, did still stay in place, though, for a while. And a man called Morgan Evans went out on a limb, I believe, and had a herd of, uh, of both North and South uh, um, uh, Welsh black cattle there. Which I think he tried to produce a herd book in 1867, but uh, nobody was particularly interested at that time. And then a herd book eventually was compiled uh, by J. Bowen in 1874. But I think that was just the southern type cattle, is that right? I think there were 96 yes, females yes. and 56 bulls in that book. But they would just be the south ones, would they? Yes, yeah, yeah. And then even after the second herd book, there was still a resistance to crossbreed from the, from county to county, let alone from north to south. And many yes, pe- many people yes. thought just by just doing this, it would lead to deterioration, which uh, which is um, quite, quite surprising, I think, when a lot of people at that time were looking to improve by, by crossbreeding. These people were keeping them very pure. And it was the second book was produced by R.H. Harvey, who himself did have some crossovers. Are those books still around, Alwyn? No, I don't think, um, uh, unless they're in the Welsh black, with the Welsh Black Cat. And at the 1878 Liverpool Royal Show, the breed got some, some testing comments from judges and the public alike due to their diversity. So there obviously was a difference between them. And, and at the time, there was a call even to have different classes for the north compared to, to the south. So they still were not getting along is probably the right word. And uh, 1883, the north responded by having their own herd book compiled by William Jew. And 1884, the South Welsh Black Society was formed under the Earl of Cowder, as you mentioned. I think he was from Scottish descent originally. Those of you that know your Shakespeare, of course, Cowder Castle is at a, a nairn up in the in the north here, and I'd imagine that's the same, yeah, same yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. And then both societies carried on producing their own herd book each until eventually the North and the South amalgamated in 1904, as you just mentioned, to form the Welsh Black Society at, at a meeting in Swansea. And Jay Thomas and Son would be secretary in New Herd Book in 1905 would list 177 breeders, a thousand registered cows would roughly be split between two-thirds to the south, and the office would be in Haverford West, of course, which is in the south, uh, but uh, William Jew from Bangor in the north would become the official auctioneer. So sharing it around, uh, Owen, but that's about when the, when everybody got themselves together, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. And and that 1904 herd book, as you said, would still be would still be there'd be editions of that around now for for people to see, I guess. Although probably a, yes, a valuable yes. possession if you have one, I guess. 
<laughs> it is very valuable. The one came up for sale, um, was donated by family of late member, and uh, a few years ago, I think he made three or four hundred pounds. Yeah. For a ten pound book. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of those old books now that do make that money as well. And I think as time yeah, goes on we're yeah. all I, I collect quite a few old books myself and uh, they're great yeah. great things to have and look back on. And let's move on into the twentieth century. Then in nineteen nineteen uh Jay Thomas was replaced at the helm by another Thomas, no relation, and eventually after some wrangle he was paid for his services from 1930 onwards at £100 a year. So that's your breed secretary, and I'm sure they earn that more now, more than that nowadays. But And this appointment then moved to Moses Griffith in 1948, who also ran the Egrin Herd. And uh, I think he was quite a smart man, Moses, into all, all sorts of other things as well, I believe. Yes, yes. And it was down to him, really, that the super cow came about, I think. Okay. The super registration of cow came about through, well... He he was instrumental in my father becoming a member mm-hmm. back in the in the sixties. Okay. He would he would he would be going to Coitcoch mm-hmm. to see the the herd in Coitcoch, and he would call at home. And we had black cows at home. He'd see them, and uh, of course he'd uh, call and try to. Mm-hmm. get us to join and that's how we joined sure. you know? okay and that was Moses and, and he said that he was replaced by Gwilym Williams Edwards a secretary in 1951 and again a very enthusiastic man and he modernized the role I think quite a bit and introduced reports and etc which have come in quite handy obviously for research today and and he promoted he'd probably be the first one to promote the Welsh black as a female breed wasn't he as well as canvassing interest from overseas he he, he was he was looking yeah. to tell people this is a cow that, uh, that that you can you can work with you know as a female and he died in the role in 1974 um which time much due to to Edwards the membership had grown to 1520 members and 160 of those were from out with Wales so uh, registrations in 1972 over six and a half thousand, so um, and a permanent staff of ten in the office. So they'd be they'd be the halcyon days then by the middle 70s, I guess, for the breed. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, they would be glory days of the blacks, wouldn't they? You know, indeed. Um, and of course, just pre pre the Charolais coming in, we'll maybe look at that how that came came in into into um, to interfere, should I say, <laughs> later on. But you mentioned that. Uh, go on. There is an interesting, um, the Farmers March uh, produced their 60th uh, anniversary book a few years ago, and they had a few pictures in there, and they were all black cattle. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not a, I think in the whole picture, I think there was one Land Rover and trailer in it, <laughs> you know, and all the others would be livestock, you know, yeah. it's how things have changed, sure. you know, uh, through, uh, uh, in agricultural in general, isn't it, you know, yeah. not just the... You know. Indeed, indeed. I actually, I've, I've been furnished with a few of those pictures from uh, from Hugh Jones. Hugh, Hugh Bowstreet, yeah, yeah. yeah from Hugh, yeah. so I'll, we'll have some of those up on on our Facebook page later. Just going back to you mentioned earlier on the supercar. The supercar register was launched, I think, in 1964. What constituted a supercar, um, Alwyn? Can you give us elaborate a little bit on that? Because it sounds like a great thing to, to introduce it to any breed. It was the cow had to be had had to have had three calves. Right. All cows must have had three, at least three calves before they can be considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, application for entry had to be applied and uh, you had to pay. And then the panel would come out. Um, applications had to be submitted, uh, given data carving so that inspection could be arranged and within 30 days of the next carving sort of thing. 
and then in order to try and obtain uniformity, all the cows w- would be inspected in what in the same year by the same panel. Right. Okay. That's... So there'd be a panel of people going out to see the cows, and uh, they'd be the same that went everywhere in that year. Right. You know? Roughly, how many? What, what sort of percentage of cows would make it to a super cow? Would you know? Oh, in '66, I think there was. 12? 12, only 12 super cows in, in, yeah, in there. Okay, yeah. so we are talking the best the best of the best. And would these animals get accolades by being at the shows as well? Was there any, any merit from, from winning championships with it with the same cows? Oh, yes, yeah. Um, all cows, they have the super registered cow behind them in, if for the sales and the shows and whatever. You know, it's uh, good mothers and milkers and regular mm-hmm. breeders. And would they then um, become the backbone of the breed just purely by the fact that they were they were such strong animals? Would they start? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Everybody, you know, be, so. yeah. Well, yeah, everybody was looking for uh, if they had a heifer or something in a sale out of a super cow. Yeah. We, you know, it was looked at and mm-hmm. made the best prices normally. You know, sure. sure. Okay. What a great um, idea, and that's something I've not heard of. In, in there have been other breeds yeah. where they have tried to certainly in the Ling breed where they've tried to sort of maintain the quality of the animals by inspecting the, the mothers before bulls could be sold. But I've not really heard of a of a breed that's put a, a super cow register together before. That's very forward thinking, I think. And uh, as you said, oh yeah, it was very forward thinking by Moses Griffiths and mm. and uh-huh. those in them days, uh, William Edwards, you know. Yeah. And the thing is with the super cow, you know, it's very typical. We've got today the body sum, you know, and it's exactly the same qualities really. That we, you, you give you give figures these days in them days it didn't give you the figures for each um, category now there's a category and the figures are given for each category and you, you end up with a if you're very good it's 90 plus mm-hmm. if you're 85 to 90 it's good um, you know yeah, yeah. and all bulls that are sold through the society now have got to have the mother's body some okay to, yeah, to improve the... Okay, let's say with computers with everything now, of course, it's a lot easier to, to put all these data and these results together. And uh, But obviously all that stems back to uh, to the forward thinking of these guys. And let's just move on a bit. Yeah. By the later 70s, it became a, a tougher time for all the native breeds, as we've discovered on this podcast series. And uh, the blacks fell from favour a little bit. And, uh, and W.O. Roberts was uh, quoted as saying maybe the quality had fallen a little bit too by the late 70s. Would that be a bit unfair? Um, it would be a little bit unfair in that late 60s, early 70s, the Germans and the Canadians came over and they only wanted the best. And herds like the Rasek herd sold the best and, you know, they'd gone, hadn't they? And they went in droves to Canada and... Australia, New Zealand. And, and we've had, again, the conversations that we've had on these podcasts, you can't condemn these people for selling the best when they could see maybe the writing on the wall and all the con- continental breeds and that were coming in. But it does, in hindsight, it does seem a shame that uh, some of the seed corn was so- sold and uh, we hope people, yeah, hope people learn yeah. lessons from that in, in, in later days. And, uh, you know, well, it's funny, we, we I've been fortunate enough, enough to visit Australia, New Zealand and Germany with the World Conference that we have every four years with the Welsh Blacks. And we went to Australia, and there was a cow there. She was going back to feed Garnet, you know, right. breeding. Okay. And, uh, you know, 
and, and keep it superb cow and still carving at 21 or 22 years old and they excellent that's what we need to hear that's uh, the longevity yeah. of, of any breed is uh, yeah. is, is the profit yeah. isn't it yeah. is the profit yeah uh, yeah and then we look at uh, di davis took over the helm but uh, he couldn't really prevent the introduction of continental bulls in in many herds and registrations and memberships declined of course and then bse in 1989 stopped the export market as well and by 1994, it's moved on a little bit now that uh, the, the the classes were cancelled at the Royal Show and the Royal Highland, and uh, I think um, Davis's 21-year stint ended, and uh, it was a tough era, wasn't it, for all breeds around about that time up through up through into the 90s? Yes, uh, but uh, what happened? I think we won the Burke um, Trophy, didn't we, at the Royal Show? Yep. In the end, in the year 2000, I think it was, yeah, with William Martin Stewart's cattle. You know, and uh, it brought back a little bit of, uh, of interest. Yeah, interest into the into the cattle. I think. Sure, I was going to mention that you did win that, and we'll probably give it another mention in a second. And enter after it, uh, Di Davis, of course, in came Evelyn Jones, and uh, again, extremely keen in in the breed. And I remember Evelyn, and she applied for and received a half a million pound grant from the Welsh government to form something called the the Five B Project to promote the breed. And I remember her well. I think she might still be at the in the society, isn't she? Oh, uh, what did the Five B Project achieve? What was that about? Well, it's a forefront, really, of the battle uh, to eradicate Yonis or John's disease and enable the breed to secure exports uh, eventually to Denmark and Germany. Uh, Okay. You know, but as in the 70s, we have not seen many of the cattle on offer from the the herds, like the Castell and the Kennen herd, who, who in 2014... Had thirty cattle exported right. to those countries, you know, and of course we haven't seen previous to the, to 2014. Kennan and Castell used to be in Llandovery there, and they'd have ten or fifteen cattle mm-hmm. heifers, good heifers for sale, mm-hmm. you know, and we've lost them in this sort of this era generation yeah okay yeah okay and just going back to that 5b so you're saying the 5b project was basically a health scheme was it to to to, to make sure that the cattle had um, gained enough health status that they were for export is that right yes yes and another thing that came about it was bull trialing you see okay. um at ibers uh, you know mm-hmm. back in the 60s it was at lacy heath wasn't it you know that the trials had done on, done on the bulls mm-hmm. whereas you know the Ibers came in Aberystwyth, and I think I think the first year eighteen bulls went in, mm-hmm. and they were all fed the same thing, and to see which one had the best daily gain, yeah. and, and that, you know, and that would, a lot of that was done across breeds as well, across other breeds as well, wasn't it? So to to and the figures are all published, and you know, and, and great, yeah, the, yeah, the weight recording side of it obviously improved a lot of breeds, um, starting with those uh, with those early trials. And and talking of trials, of course, you still have inspections of, of all bulls today. I think, in fact, there's a classification is highly important for the Welsh Black right the way through, isn't it? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not many breeders will enter a bull. Um, not to be able to sell him in the sale. So, so they yes, are they inspected on farm before the sale, or they just inspected when they arrive at, at Dolgetha? Inspected in in Dolgetha, okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and something I need to clear up here: the breed, of course, to our overseas listener, the Welsh breed, of course, is is very much known as a horned breed. But is there a a polled variant out there? I believe there is. There is, yes. Um, mainly, again, in the south. Um, mainly in 
Obviously, a desirable trait, isn't it, to have a to have polled animals? But in many cases, when we bring in the pole, it brings a blood from outside, and sometimes would yeah. be detrimental to the carcass. So, is 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 there a for and against that? The, the, the pole side of it is that is that breaking away from tradition a little bit? No, yeah, it is a little bit, but uh, you know, we're uh, there's not much crossbreeding one or two have tried it but it's not it doesn't really work i don't think so um because uh, there's always a case of oh that that should be a pulled one and yet it's got horns you know (laughs) because it's taken over the mother side instead of the bull side doesn't it you know because mainly it's the bulls that are, are um uh, there are two or, two or three herds, Ridwell herd and Hirwine there. Um, Howell Davis, he's got a polled herd. Castine, mm-hmm. okay. uh, they're, 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 they're polled herds, you see, down in that area. Okay, but, uh, okay, but it, there's one. There's one. There's one in in Merionith, I think. There's one in just outside Dolgetha in Bristol there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sells uh, polled cattle in Dolgetha. I know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, the breed, of course, as I mentioned, is a hardy suckler cow breed and still its main purpose, great milkers, aren't they? But before we move on to the modern day, can we just have a look at some of those, a few of uh, breeders and sires that maybe influenced the breed during those years, maybe from the 60s sort of onwards? I've got I've got a name, Jenkins, here from Mysgrim. Would that be right? He lived till he was 104. What can you tell me about him? <laughs> well, yes, and then his uh, family still still have herds these days. They, uh, he would have been at Neyad, um how well took over the son and then his son William is running it now then there'd be a brother uh, D. Bennett Jenkins at Caran mm-hmm. and then at Gwilym at, at Tinnagraig and Arglwyd they're all the Jenkins family okay. in, all in Aberystwyth and having very very good cows uh, you know, like J.M. Jenkins, who you've mentioned, uh-huh. he was president from ni- in 1943 you know. Brilliant to see that they, they, they stay at it. And uh, um, yeah, one name I remember going back in my younger days would be Malcolm Richards uh, as, as being a top man, large as life character Malcolm was. And I remember him having a bull called Urch Edward, I think. And uh, would be back in the in the, I suppose the late seventies. Sixties. Well, the Erch herd in the sixties and seventies was, you know. Uh, the herd of the of the time, you know. Um, fortunately, mm-hmm. there is one one brother still at it now, and he's his Saturn Vine is prefix because I don't think anybody with the Arch mm-hmm. is doing anything. Okay. You know, it's 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 funny that there are herds out uh, out there, and they don't register anymore. It's a pity, really. No, would some of them still have the cattle, but maybe just not register them, or were they just sort of? Did, 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 oh yes, oh. yeah, yeah. There's one, there's one fa- family which you know they sell in Dolgetha quite regular uh-huh. in in the store sale, uh-huh. and they've still got the same type of cattle as they had back in the eighties uh-huh. and nineties and the early two thousand. Okay. But they just haven't registered since, you know. Sure. And I don't know why, you know. No, okay. 
they keep the black cow the same, you know. <laughs> well, as long as they're making them profit, I suppose that's their, their prerogative, isn't it? And another name that yeah. another name that I want to mention is Major Gibson Watt, and uh, he was a big stalwart for the breed, and he turned up actually in our, in our episode about the Sherrilly cattle a while ago because he uh, he stood very much opposed to the early <laughs> imports of Continentals and uh, some manner. As well as his stockman would have as well. <laughs> he had very very good stockmen, didn't he? You know, and uh, we've lost him in in the beginning of. 2020. Uh, and on the the bull side, a, a bull, Cadarock of Glass Cloud was the pinup bull from the 1930s. He was the one on all the all the posters. Would that be would be an influential bull? Would he be? Yes, um, but uh, you know, later on in the late 60s, early 70s, you'd be yeah, the Royal John. Rhech would have had quite a run of bulls, I should think. You know, Rhech Cow, Rhech Prince. Nero, you know, Nero, you know, and of course you've mentioned Park, and it'd be Park Baron, and you know, there'd be Bulls of the Year, you know, there'd be. Sure. And the Bull of the Year, the um, Bull of the Year was, is something to, would that come down through the show ring, through the showing to, how do they get to Bull Oh, yeah, the show ring, or, uh, that's where the Bull of the Year, and that's why. They have stopped that competition uh, two years ago, and, and unfortunately, we've not had a chance to trial it out in very in different ways because of this COVID. Yeah, you know, because yeah, no um, uh, yeah. we were we were planning to look at it another way. Okay. Because you know the, the number of people that show these days go less and less, don't and they? And the number of the people that show senior bulls go less and less as well, because you're not doing your not yeah. doing your bull a lot of good, keeping them in show condition from from year to year, of course. So. No, no, and and the thing is, like, if you go back, if you go back to sixty six, mm-hmm. nineteen sixty six, when there was two hundred and twenty two bulls offered for sale wow. okay. in the in 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 the sales, mm-hmm. and you go to 2019 yeah and there was 52 yeah. 52 bulls offered for sale society sales mm-hmm. you know the, the, the pool is getting very very small sure you know it's getting we move on by by the year 2000 there were 850 members so there's still you know still a reasonable membership there 2500 head of cattle registered uh, that year and what what number of, of cattle are being registered uh, this year do you know uh, or last year should i say do you know that old? last year would be, be about around the 1820 18 1820 mark and that would be from 590 registered okay. breeders okay you know. Okay, so you're still you're still there, and and uh, yeah, a powerful force. And of course, the Royal Welsh would be the showcase of the breed. And what sort of numbers do you get at the Royal Welsh these days? Again, we haven't seen a show for a couple of years, but uh, what sort of numbers would we be getting there? Well, uh, as you say, this is a showcase of the you know, and we nearly we were nearly having to be lose that first ring because there was only eighteen entries in one year there. Yeah. At, anyway, in, in 2019, we did come back to 57 entered okay. and 48 turned yeah. up. No, that's you know, that'd still be uh, the biggest breed in the show. I guess biggest numbers from any breed in the show. I guess. No, I think the Limousins and they have more. Okay. I think, don't they? You know, okay. but the Charleys, the Charleys had fallen in 2019. Mm-hmm. I think they were down to about 13 or 14 that year. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are other problems with this TB and things. Built and that area, you know, TB. Sure. High high risk area, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and people just, you know, 
the way I want to take my cattle to. Absolutely. I mean, I've heard tales of people in, in, in the UK moving farms up to Scotland so they can get out of the TB area. So it is, it is a massive issue, of course, amongst, amongst all breeds. Just, just, you mentioned earlier on that the, the, the Welsh Blacks won the Burke Trophy, and they did in 2000. That was a great start to the millennium. And just remind me of the cattle that were in that Burke Trophy pair there uh, you mentioned just now. Manus William and Marigold, yeah. yeah. Both from... Martin Stewart. I certainly remember, remember um, them in a great spectacle uh, that they were that, that year, and, and well, and, and well yeah. and easy winners, I think. Yes, and uh, I, I, I don't think enough um, mention has gone to the cowman there who prepared those cattle. Okay. Uh, Gwyn Roberts, Kilglasson, wasn't it? Oh, you know, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, or Gwyn, yeah. you know, well, some some showman. You well, know. we'll mention Gwyn because I was going to go on to, of course, the Royal Smithfield show, and the Welsh Black had a great representation at Smithfield and Bingley Hall, for that matter. And I know you brought cattle down, Alban. I, cl- I think I clipped a few out for you going going back the way. First in the nineteen nineties, <laughs> <laughs> and but going back a bit earlier than that, it would be the Stowe in his family that I remember that always stick in my mind. Brought cattle to Smithfield and and uh, some great cattle always shown naturally back then though it's sort of long before we got the oh the yes. yeah them. yeah yeah big cattle uh, you know 700 pluses they wouldn't would, they yeah, yeah. and and edwards of penball mm-hmm. anglesey uh-huh. uh tom edwards uh will will's big supporter wasn't he you know of the when we were all storm. blowing and dressing them up they'd just go around with it with a knapsack spray with a bit of water and creosote in there i think and just spray it on them that's and leave it. them to sleep that was that's about all they did and <laughs> go off to the bar <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And you mentioned Gwyn, of course, uh, another great, uh, great man at Smithfield. Another man I want to mention is uh, yeah. Di Jones at Lanny Lar, and I think he went on and won the Queen's Cup at Smithfield. I think it might be the same year, maybe. Um, was it two thousand as well? And of course, Di, past president and a great ambassador for the breed and for Wales in general, isn't he? Oh, exactly, exactly. You know, like in two thousand and four, it was his vision. I think when he was president to uh, to start the World Conference. Okay. Because he'd been abroad a number of times, hadn't he? And he'd seen cattle abroad, and it was one of his visions. And mm-hmm. uh, as I say, we were, you know, we've had the World Conference in 2008 in Australia, 2012 in Germany, yeah. 2016 in, in New Zealand. And then we were supposed to have it back in Wales in 2020, okay. because that went by the by. Oh, well, maybe it'll still get there yet. And, of course, going back to Di, oh, yeah, the yeah. people that don't know Di, of course, he had a TV um, presenter, wasn't he? And uh, Or isn't he, should I say? And uh, and a tremendous, a tremendous man. Um, and always good, always quick with a joke and always always had a tale to tell. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like, like, like Gwyn won the Queen's Cup as well, didn't okay, he? Okay, yeah, yeah. In, in Smithfield, uh-huh. with an egg, with an egg, yeah, beast, okay. um, uh, will, and they, you know, that's a herd now, it's been taken over by a young lad, um, no relation to the family there previously, but he has been able to keep the herd. Um, we had the sale for John and Glenn a few years ago, okay. and um, you know, mm-hmm. they both passed away by now, okay. and uh, but. You know they had some tremendous cattle. Yeah, yeah, not, indeed. Not very big, but mm. very, and always in the in the, in the dogetter female mm. sales, they would be in the in the prizes in the money. And, and and just I suppose while we're talking about Smithville, of course, the Welsh Black are a beef breed, and and uh, Welsh Black beef has been extremely well marketed, or branded, I would say, in actual fact. And, and can you find Welsh black beef in the supermarkets these days? Who, who are the main players uh, slaughtering selected beef uh, nowadays? Well, we we have got a scheme going through the Welsh blacks, and 
Um, there's a, a premium to be had through Keypack. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who they supply in the eventually, but um, but there are like yeah, and Edwards. I don't know if you've heard of Edwards at Conway, mm-hmm. who does the sausages and things. But he supplies a lot of hotels and catering places with Welsh black beef. Okay. Um, there's mm-hmm. Lorraine and Sue Williamstown in Glamorgan. There, they've got a shop and they promote and produce their own. Um, uh, meats for the shop, uh, but th- this is this is what when we went over to Germany in 2012, mm-hmm. it really opened our eyes out. Um, like every farm we went on onto, they would have a butcher's, they would have a shop and a butcher's um, right. outlet. Yeah, to, yeah, you know, to sell their meat. Mm-hmm. And every every farm we went to, you really? know, we, I think we we visited twelve. I think I think the biggest herd when we went over in 2012 was Hans Stucker, mm. who had 100 Welsh black cows. Right. And, and selling beef at the farm gate. And, of course, we see a lot of that with now starting to happen, especially with the, the way the internet and maybe the COVID thing has pushed that forward a little yeah. bit, that people are selling boxed beef for, sort of over the internet and what have you. But I think, again, as I said, the, the, as a brand, the Welsh black would probably be, I'm going to get shot for saying this, probably be second to the Angus as, as actually as, as branded beef. And I know on, on the Welsh black website, there's a, there's a pretty much a whole page of suppliers of, of Welsh black beef out there yeah. so uh, anybody wants to get any just go on to the welsh black website and uh, and pick your pick your place and get some on order because it does yeah, it, yeah. It, do, it does eat very well doesn't it i'm sure you'll re- you'll yeah. highly recommend it yeah yeah well you know we're lucky in our in our area here we've got points in golden bay and thandidno mm-hmm. you know colin and, and thandidno and they're supplied by three local farmers with their welsh black beef mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and uh, we're very very lucky well, as I said, it's not just lucky. I think you guys have kept it kept it together as a brand, and, and, and a great credit to you and, and and the Welsh nation. And we should just maybe have a look at a couple of other top breeders before we get to the end of this this episode. There, I want to mention Hugh Jones. I mentioned earlier on from Bow Street, who sent me some exceptional photographs, forty or fifty of them, I think. So we'll get some of those uh, available on our on our Facebook page later. And who yeah. else should we who else should we mention? Who's at the top of the breed uh, just now? Is there one or two people dominating, well, or, or, or sharing it around still? Well, at the moment, I just think uh, the Havard Escob herd would mm-hmm. be at the top there. You know, they they hold the record for the top price bull. What is that record? Uh, 22,000 okay. guineas. Uh-huh. You know, and they're always, uh, always in that 3,000 plus for the yep. females, you know. I don't think we've broken the four yet. I don't okay. think so. I think okay. I think we got close on a couple of occasions, but uh-huh. I don't think we've broken through it. Okay. Um, of course, Greg Gorch heard are always uh, producing some fantastic um, and the Seishog, you know, uh, Tequin and uh, yeah. and Emir two brothers. They're mm-hmm. always producing uh, the, the top goods. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. lately, the top prices have been coming from. Kairanuk heard. Okay. They, they sold one in January for fifteen and a half thousand. I saw him. I know. had a picture of him. Yeah, yeah, it looked a good beast. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then there's Manach uh, Arvon Williams. The Manach heard. Um, they're always uh, good females and bulls, really, from Arvon. Um, uh-huh. Always competitive prices. Uh-huh. Then uh, there's Glyn Williams uh, uh, from. 
to the Dacus in Gothelin, where the Dacus heard he's coming up well lately, you know, okay. with both bulls and females. You know, he's getting towards that 2,000 with his females, and, yeah. and, and, and then uh, and then is always, uh, a Briscaga bull comes in the ring, and, you know, it'll always sell, you know. Okay. You're going back to breeding when J.P. Reese was past president, and he, he his breeding goes back to... Um, and he goes back to being champion bull in the Royal Welsh in 1950. Right, okay. One to 55, and I think, you know... A lot of that genetic on, stuff pulling through, yeah. And that, that would be Edgar and Garner, you see, and that would be down to Moses Griffiths then, wouldn't it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A bull yeah. bred by Moses Griffiths. So we're going back to the same people... Mm -hmm. All the time, Andrew, you know, uh, 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 you know, like like in Anglesey, you've got the uh, W.J. Thomas, then his son, O.G. Thomas, and now Brian's taken over the Hwine uh, herd, and then Carwin's there now as well. You know, okay. there's four generations of, and, 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 you know, it, it takes years and years, doesn't it, you know, to... It certainly does. It's not just one lifetime, you know, it's two or three, you did right. You know, it is a long, it's, it's, uh, it's a long commitment. You know, and like... Recently, the trivial herd, Johan, Johan Roberts on Anglesey, he's having quite a few successes with his bulls and his females, mm -hmm. you know. Good. And, uh, um, as I say, there's Sam Lachreth, um, Tullinbach, Lewis Williams, Tullinbach, Sam Lachreth. Well, he's always got four or five bulls in the, in a sale, mm -hmm. and he's always in that... 10 up to 10,000 for his balls, you know. That's the pen you want to look in when they've got a few of them there to choose from. Of course, you have the Prince of Wales as your patron, and, and rightly so, but uh, brings me round to yourself, or when you're a, a, a council member of the society and a judge as well, and of course you still run your own uh, Welsh black herd there that goes back a couple of generations. Uh, tell me a bit about them. Yeah, well, my grandfather was... In, he wasn't in the 1904. He said he was... Uh, my uncle said he was in the 1905 one. Okay. They didn't put anything in the 1904 one. Mm -hmm. Then my father was in nine, in the 60s and 70s, as I said, and I came in 1990. I started my own herd. Mm -hmm. um, I've only got a small place and uh, seven cows, a couple of heifers, and... Uh, and as well as a judge, I believe you're, you're, you've been an auctioneer as well, haven't you? Are you still? Yes. Are you still? 51 years. 50, no, retired now. Retired okay. <laughs> after 51 years. Uh -huh. But I do remember. I do remember. We had. To, we were sworn to secrecy at the Rheen Estate, Rushton Stones. Mm -hmm. We were sworn to secrecy because Prince Charles bought six cows from there. Okay. <laughs> but we, we were sworn to secrecy that we weren't to tell anybody the day before that they were there looking at the cattle. <laughs> okay. And so you, you you sold the cattle, did you, to him, did you? <laughs> That's it. Well, well, I was the clerk on the day. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and, and you do judge. I think you judged, uh, be right in thinking you judged the last society, sir. Would that be right? Or certainly recently, anyway? Yeah. Um, 12 months to last January, wasn't it? You know, now. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I did the Royal Welsh in 2017. Uh -huh. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, you talk about the Royal Welsh, and um, I, the Royal Welsh, I hope, will be full swing this year, and I'm planning on coming down there with a few sheep myself for Owen, so we'll catch up and get a beer. In fact, we'll we'll catch up and get one of those fantastic breakfasts at the Welsh Black Building there. That's, uh, that's the that's one. The, that's the, the one. The best place to get yeah. a breakfast in, in, in all the shows I think I've ever been to. And uh, Yeah, uh, and, 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 and a dinner at night time. 
Yes. Ask what Evans the Shadley man where he yeah. goes for his for his meal in the evening. <laughs> no, not just him. I know a lot of my pals from Scotland come down there. They do head straight to the to the Welsh Black Building there, and and of course yeah. the fine spectacle there that we'll see of the great breed. And I hope you're back in. You know, got those numbers back up again again this year. And, and have you, you do you still show a few of yours, or have you you retired from that one? Now? No, no. I I went in 2019. I had a bull and one heifer down there. Okay. Well, it was funny, you know, when the numbers had got down to mm-hmm. 18 the year before, our chairman of council, Reddith, uh, our director, he said, well, he said, there's 35 of us on council, he said. If we all took one animal, he said, we'd have 35 entries. <laughs> so, so I'll give you a challenge today in the council meeting, you know. Well, makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, of course... Uh, Six or seven of us took him took, took him up, and he was yeah. quite surprised to get that number in. But Good. as I say, you know that there are herds. You know, like like as I mentioned, the Jenkinses, the Karen, mm-hmm. the, you know, Tinnegraig, and the boys to beat. Yeah, yeah they're the lads who, who show as well. And in all fairness, there's one who's out there, and she goes to every show at the moment. And she's only got a small herd. Is Lynn Foxwell? I don't know if you the the Ruthied herd and. She's had the first bull into uh, genus recently, okay. sex semen, you see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've, we've been trying to go down that line for a few years. Mm-hmm. Of course, we, we had a big problem back in 2010 when they wouldn't allow the Welsh Blacks into the tier uh, glass there, you know. Why? Uh, well, this, this is bureaucracy gone mad, I, we thought at the time, <laughs> you know. Because, uh, you know, as Welsh Black did not previously qualify for this status, mm-hmm. more more careful presentation of statistics to those who compile the register does now mean that the breed qualifies for the at-risk okay. status for 2015. Okay. At-risk status were allowed in. And we missed five years. And what took over with the Herefords, Aberdeen Angus, and the Shorthorns and the Lings. <laughs> and were they, were they at, at, at risk status, according to, according to the people on the top? Yes, they were. Okay. And in fairness, uh, the late Elvid Williams made many representations uh, to the government or whoever runs these bloody things, you know. <laughs> to get yourselves in there. Oh, well. Sounds, yeah. like you, sounds like you're getting your numbers up anyway now, so... Well, the registrations, you know, the steered registration was go straight up now because mm. si- since 2020, uh, you know, the, 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 the 30p, well, up to 30 pence bonus is back up with key pack. Okay. So, you know, we'll get registrations on the steer side as well now, sure. which sure. Is, is always like, you know, if you, I know it's only, I think it's £7 an animal for, mm. for, 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 for the steers. Worth having a thousand thousand registrations, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth having. And Alwyn, definitely worth having you uh, on the program. Now it's been great to hear about the Welsh Black Breed, and I'm, I won't apologise that we gave a, a bit of a history lesson of some of the earlier cattle there at the beginning there. But I hope people listening to this have uh, uh, have heard the merits of the of the great Welsh Black Breed and the tradition that that goes with it, and uh, and the passion yeah. the passion I would say is probably above above any other breed. The passion you guys have for that breed well, is second to none. Well, you know, you know, you you're going, you know, into the breeding, and you've got 
like the knee I've heard, as I said, you know, William Jenkins and the Jenkins family, mm. but, you know, like the, the knee of the day with the 68, knee of the cow, the 220th, you know. Mm. Yes, yeah, sure, the 220th, yeah, that's, that says <laughs> yeah. a lot how long and, you guys and, have been and, there. And, of course, knee of David D., 186 left mm-hmm. his mark on the breed okay. in the you know in the 70s and 80s you know into the 80s well into the 80s 90s probably yeah. he still does today with some of them because so, some of them still got blood, uh, some semen left you see mm. and they're using it well long um, may it continue unless you get you into the 300s as well but as I said uh, um, I'm looking forward to being down at the Royal Welsh uh, this year and seeing some of this great breed and uh, Oh, and I really appreciate your time there in, in, in sharing the history with, with our listeners. Okay, very good. Well, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, which was kindly sponsored by Harbro, suppliers of quality commercial and pedigree feeds and expert nutritional advice. Visit their website or find them on Facebook for more information. And while on the subject of Facebook, why don't you visit the Top Lines and Tales Facebook page where you'll find photographs and more information to back up this episode.